the key trait to entrepreneurs is perseverance and resiliency. And don't be discouraged when you hear no. I heard no a hundred times. That can be very discouraging and you just got to keep going. You've got a mission and you're on that mission and you got to keep going. Before we get into today's episode, are you a fix and flipper who needs some money? You need to maybe do more deals and you're limited by the funds you have available. Well then, Fund That Flip, today's best ever sponsor, has a solution for you. And you know Fund That Flip, right? Your loyal best ever listener, the founder, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show multiple times, and they have been a previous sponsor, and they love working with the best ever listeners, and they provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com and mention that, well, you heard about it on the Best Ever Show. Best Ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today, Jillian Hellman. How you doing, Jillian? Doing fine, thanks. Well, nice to have you on the show and a little bit more about you. She is the CEO and co-founder of Realty Mogul and is responsible for the company's strategic direction and operations. Their company has been busy and here's some stats that are quite staggering. Over 140,000 investors have joined her company as a website and platform, over $300 million invested through her platform, $65 million paid out to their investors and $0 of principal lost by their investors. Holy cow, that's impressive. Tell us a little bit more about your background and your current focus. Absolutely. So I grew up in a real estate family, so I had the benefit of talking about real estate at the dinner table and and really learning kind of real estate from the ground up, which I, I feel very blessed to have been able to do. I went to work in banking coming out of business school and spent about five years in banking and then realized that I really wanted to do something where I could help people. Wanted to build a company where I could help people get access to commercial real estate, help people make money through commercial real estate, you know, generate income and, and passive wealth through commercial real estate. So launched Realty Mobile. And today, Realty Mogul is an online marketplace for individual investors to come to our website and invest in a whole variety of different types of commercial real estate, apartment buildings, office buildings, storage facilities, industrial facilities. We partner with real estate companies all over the country to bring their investment opportunities to investors all over the country. Okay. How do you differentiate your company from other platforms out there? of ways. One is track record, right? So we're one of the larger real estate investing platforms. And that's really beneficial because it allows us to work with our clients and and build a really stellar team. So we've got 80 professionals at the company. I think one of the other big differentiators is how we think about real estate investing. We are boots on the ground in every single piece of real estate. So there are some platforms where they're not actually going out and kicking the tires, if you will, on the real estate. We're doing site visits on every piece of real estate that we invest in. I'll interlude with a funny story. One of our guys in our underwriting team had just come back from a site visit. And one of the things we were concerned about with this specific property was the parking ratio. Was there enough parking for this multifamily apartment building to support all of the tenants? So he comes back and he knew that that was one of our concerns. And he says, we woke up at 2.30 in the morning, we drove the parking lot and we counted 22 open spaces. I think we're good on parking. 
that's one of those things in real estate that you can't figure out unless you really go boots on the ground. So we're, mm -hmm. we're really proud of our underwriting process. We're really proud of the fact that we step foot on every property. Yes, we're this digital marketplace. Yes, you can invest with us on the internet, but we're a real estate company as well. So I think we really differentiate in our underwriting. I think we differentiate in our track record. I think we differentiate in our team and also kind of white glove service. We build long-term relationships with our investors. We stay involved in the life of every investment. We have an asset management team that is monitoring all of our investments on a monthly and quarterly basis. So we really want to be that white glove provider as opposed to having an investor invest online and then never hearing from us ever again. Mm -hmm. You said your team does site visits for every piece of real estate you invest in. Am I hearing that right, that you all invest alongside the investors? In most instances, we're not investing alongside the investors unless it's coming out of our REIT. So we have two ways that investors can invest. One way is through a public non-traded real estate investment trust. And we have two real estate investment trusts. One is focused on income and one is focused on growth. So we have investments in those entities. The majority of that capital is still investors. The other way that investors can invest with us is via private placement. And in a private placement, that's where they're investing in a specific property, a specific apartment building, a specific office building. The REITs are diversified pools of investments where the private placements are, are specific transactions. And then in which one of those scenarios are you investing alongside the investors? In the REITs, we have a co-investment from our parent company. But on the property specific, the private placement ones, you're not co-investing, you're gathering everyone and connecting the dots. Cool. With your growth, I mentioned briefly before we jumped on the call, I was just watching an interview on YouTube with you on Fox TV, the woman interviewing you, and this was published in June 2014. When she interviewed you, she said that she met you a year and a half prior, so was that like 2012-ish, maybe 2012, and she said that you had six employees, and now you just said you have 80 professionals, so six to 80 people what would you attribute your growth to if that is a different answer than what differentiates you? Yeah, I think we'd attribute our growth to investor demand. You've got all of these investors all over the country that are struggling to find good investment opportunities. And there's real risk in every type of investing in, in our company, in real estate, and in all types of different investments, whether it's stocks or bonds or publics or privates, et cetera. But I think that you've got investors who are really hungry for investment product that makes sense. And real estate, in my opinion, makes a lot of sense. It's tangible. You can touch it. You can feel it. People are living in it. People are working in it. So we have a lot of demand from investors who have raised their hands and said, hey, we want to invest. We want exposure to that apartment building or that office building or otherwise. And without that, we wouldn't have a company. We're in business to serve our investors every single day. With some of the stats that I see on your website and that I was repeating to introduce you, one of them, the $0 in principal lost certainly stands out, especially given the amount of volume that you all have done. I mean, over $300 million invested on your platform. Surely there has been a deal that has gone sideways, and maybe it's a wrong assumption. But if so, then how was that handled? We have absolutely have deals that have not met the mark. I'm a very transparent CEO. We don't try and hide any of that. In real estate, there's real risk. So what we do when we have challenges with deals is, is we step in to the extent that we can. So when we're looking to invest in commercial real estate transactions, we're going to negotiate rights, right? What are our rights? And, and one of the beauties of investing collectively is that you have bargaining power. 
So if we have 100 investors that collectively all want to invest in an apartment building, we're going to get collective bargaining power on behalf of those 100 investors. And that gives us power on the asset management side. So I'll give you an example of a transaction that didn't work out well. And it's, it's actually related to probably one of the biggest mistakes that I've made in real estate in my career. We ended up investing with two real estate companies that had never done a transaction together. And that was a big mistake. We don't do that anymore. You, you've got to have partners who have done business together, who know the rules of the road of working together. But these two operating partners, we invested in a transaction alongside them and they were at war. I mean, threatening to sue each other. Oh, one wouldn't let the other spend money to fix the parking lot. One wouldn't let the other spend money to actually execute on the business plan. This thing was a nightmare. And we had some rights because we were a large investor in the transaction. And so we went in and we said, there's no ability to reconcile this. First, we asked one partner if they wanted to leave. No, they're not leaving. We asked the other partner, do they want to leave? No, they're not <laughs> leaving. So we said so we have to sell the asset. And we didn't sell that asset because it was a bad asset. We actually bought very, very well on that asset and investors ended up making money on that transaction. But the moral of the story was we had to sell the asset because we had bad partners. And the outcome of that was directly related to our asset management efforts. And it's not to say that we can solve every transaction. Again, there's real risk in real estate, but we pride ourselves on doing everything that we can and having a dedicated team of asset management professionals, having a dedicated team of real estate professionals to step in and sort of muscle around a little bit to try and get to a great outcome. As the CEO and co-founder of a company that has had just phenomenal growth, tell us the story of a very challenging time within this growth period. We go all the way back to the beginning. So we've had investors invest about $300 million, over $300 million now via Realtomogul.com. And we've also raised $45 million in venture capital for the company. So in aggregate, starting the company, I've been involved in raising, let's say, $350 million. I cannot tell you how hard raising the first million dollars was <laughs> to, for the company. We didn't have a website. We didn't have a business. It was my co-founder and I were this small, teeny, teeny company that really doesn't have much to show for themselves. I had 100 coffee meetings to raise our first million dollars. And I don't drink coffee, okay? No <laughs> caffeine. I don't either. And it was just wild, you know? And, and I think back to perseverance that you need to be an entrepreneur and the perseverance that you need to be a real estate investor. Real estate operating companies, they're entrepreneurs too. And that was really, really, really challenging. There was a lot of times in the early days of the company where we could have just thrown our hands up and said, this is too hard. We're not going to do this. We're not going to keep moving forward. But I'm grateful that we didn't. Mm -hmm. As far as the 100 coffee meetings and eventually the first million appeared, was it from one group or person or was it cobbled together? No, it was cobbled together. 25,000 here, 50,000 there, 15,000 there. It was absolutely cobbled together. Anyone who had an inkling of believing in us, we wanted money from because we wanted to get the company off the ground. Thinking back to the people who did invest, what was your relationship with them? Because I imagine they were more investing in you and your business partner as much as the business plan. I think that that's absolutely true. The interesting thing that I found, and this is kind of angel investing now, right? Where they were investing in the yep. company, not in real estate transactions with us. So they were angel investors in the parent company. I didn't know them very well, frankly. I mean, there were folks that I would meet one or two times and they'd invest $25,000 or $30,000 because they were interested in the business. I didn't really have a big network of angel investors when I left banking. I left banking to start this company. And so that wasn't my network. That wasn't my environment or the kinds of people that I kept company with. So for many of them, I met them one or two times and they have high risk tolerances. You have to have a really high risk tolerance if you're doing angel investing. And one thing led to another. 
Mm-hmm. What would you say is important for a best ever listener who's listening to this and has a company, they're looking to raise money for their company. What are some important either talking points or having a certain mindset that you can give tips about? I'd share a couple of things. One is perseverance. The key trait to entrepreneurs is perseverance and resiliency. And don't be discouraged when you hear no. I heard no a hundred times. That can be very discouraging and you just got to keep going. You've got a mission and you're on that mission and you got to keep going. The other thing that I would recommend is forcing an answer. So I used to sort of force an answer out of these angel investors and the best investors are the ones who say no quickly. That's a gift because they're giving you your time back to be able to go raise capital. But I would say, ask for the answer. Don't be afraid to say, hey, are you in or are you out? I need to know by Friday. And mm-hmm. it's not like there's something happening on Friday. They gave you a check on Monday. You wouldn't take it. But you need to know for your own sanity and your own peace of mind, do I spend more time with this person or do I not spend more time with this person? So I'd say persevere, be resilient, and ask for the answer. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your focus now as CEO and co-founder. What do you do during the day? The beauty of being a CEO is every day is different. I spend a lot of time with our team. So I'm spending time with our real estate team. I sit on investment committee. I'm working one-on-one with folks that are bringing in real estate transactions. I'm working with our underwriting team. I'm working with our asset management team. Then maybe the next day I'll flip over and I'll work with our technology team and go through what the core priorities are for technology for the next quarter. From there, I might spend the next day working with our marketing team and thinking through how do we best present ourselves? How do we ensure that we have consistency across the brand? How do we make sure that our messaging is effective for investors to know what we do and how we do it? So every day is really different. And that's the exciting part. I travel quite a bit as well. So I'm usually out of the office at least a couple of days every other week or so. We have offices around the country. So because we're investing in real estate around the country, we want to have a presence in a lot of different markets. So we have folks in New York, Atlanta, Utah, San Francisco, Texas, and that's an important part of our strategy. So I'm also traveling quite a bit, but every day is different. And there are times when I spend really concentrated time with our real estate team. And there are times when I spend really concentrated team with technology or accounting or finance or budgeting. I also spend a lot of time communicating. So it's really important to me that all of our team members know the strategy of the organization, know why we're making decisions the way we're making those decisions. And then also at the board level too, the board understanding our strategy and our investors too, our investors being aware of how are their investments performing? How is the company doing? Communication is a big part of the CEO role too. Yes, that's a lot of different areas to dive into on a regular basis. What would you say is the area that you're strongest in And what is the area that you have the most opportunity for improvement of those you just mentioned? You know, I'd say I spend probably, if I was going to break it out of where do I spend the most time, it's probably with the real estate team. I came out of a real estate family, kind of came up the ranks in a bank and got a lot of exposure to real estate there as well. And we're diving into every transaction. We're holding investment committee meetings three times a week, talking through deals, talking through structuring. I still approve every legal document, every operating agreement that governs the controls on the real estate side. So that takes up a bit of my time. We've got attorneys obviously as well, but I'm helping to manage the attorneys and approve those transactions. So I'd say real estate is where I spend a significant amount of my time. Opportunity for improvement. It's probably in engineering just because I'm not a classically trained engineer. Mm -hmm. You know, I spend a lot of time with our product folks who are translating between the business and the tech team, but can I sit down with an engineer and look at a line of code and know that that's a well-written line of code? I can't. Can our CTO? He absolutely can. So I rely, obviously, on my executive team to be able to do those types of things. But it'd be fun if I could write more code, I guess. 
<laughs> With your overall focus, when you come across a challenge, maybe instead of a hypothetical, what's the last challenge where you or your team had to come up with the solution and just can you walk us through how that was handled? Yeah, I feel like you have challenges every day as an entrepreneur. Sometimes they're small challenges and sometimes they're big challenges. I'll share kind of a silly one right now. We're running out of space. So we've for got people? uh yeah, for people, right? And and we're hiring and we're growing the team and we want more people to help us come and run the business and expand the business and physically we need more space. If right? only you had and some real estate connections. I know, seriously, seriously. <laughs> the problem is I'm locked into a long-term lease, so ah. you know, shame on me. But uh, and then we need new chairs, we need new desks, and there's no one small company. There's no one assigned to facilities, if you will, right? There's mm -hmm. no one whose responsibility it is to buy new chairs when the chairs break. So mm -hmm. you know, that's a simple example. But you're you're fighting those those little kind of micro challenges all the time. I mean, parking, right? We don't have enough parking in our building for all these new people that we need to hire. We also don't have any space to put them. So how do you figure that out? Do you break the lease and go rent something sooner? Do you get a new suite in the building? You know, just simple stuff like that. But it's a challenge, right? And it's inhibiting our ability to grow. So that'll land on my desk of what do we do? Do we break the lease? Do we go find a new space? Do we take a new suite? What do we do? And, and what's the right move forward there? Is there a thought when you come across those questions and someone's like, hey, we need new chairs, we need new desks, we're running out of space. Is there a thought where it's like, why the hell am I having to deal with these chairs? I should be talking to investors or board members. I should be coming up with a strategy. Is that a thought? Well, the chair is really not landing on my plate. The, <laughs> do we lease new spaces? But the chair, I'm not having a say in. But, you know, it's interesting. I used to make a lot more decisions at the company. And, and my MO now is someone will walk in my office and say, here's the issue. Here's the situation. Here's the data. What do you think? I try not to answer, right? And I turn it back and I say, well, what's your recommendation? Mm -hmm. So the team is now trained that if they walk into my office, they walk in with a recommendation around they've thought through it, right? I haven't thought through the scenario, whatever the challenge may be, you know, whether it's a real estate challenge or something comes up in due diligence that we didn't expect or technology challenge where somebody's going to take a month longer to deliver than we expected, whatever the challenge is, right? And these always pop up. And so I turn it back on the team on what's your recommendation and shortens the conversation pretty dramatically where instead of that being a two hour conversation, it might be a 15 minute conversation where whoever's in my office is going to say, these are the five options. This is why I didn't choose option A, B, and C. This is why I think we should choose option D and we shouldn't choose option E. And that makes it a lot faster. And it also takes the pressure off of me where I've got people who are empowered, an executive team that's empowered, a VP level that's empowered to help make those decisions and make those calls. Is the goal to be purchased? The goal is to build a great company. Whether that means that we're purchased, whether that means that we look to take the company public, who knows, right? But, but really the goal is to build a great company, help investors grow wealth. And again, there's always risk in real estate investing. There's always risk in any type of investing. But the goal, honestly, is to build a great company and an exit will come. Or we take the company public or there's some other opportunity for the business in the company. But it's really to just build a great business. Based on your experience building a business, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors or entrepreneurs who are wanting to successfully build something? So I think on the real estate investing side, Figure out how to invest passively. Figure out how to invest in real estate without the hassles of tenants and toilets and trash. And part of that probably sounds self-serving because we offer passive investments. <laughs> but whether you do it with us or you do it with another firm or a friend or, or otherwise, I started managing an apartment building when I was 16 years old. 
family apartment building. My grandfather built it, been in the family forever. I live in Los Angeles. I would remember phone calls at two o'clock in the morning that the sewage is backing up and Mm -hmm. the gate was broken and the parking garage gets stuck. And, you know, all these sort of horror stories around real estate where if you are not a real estate entrepreneur, if that's not your passion, if that's not where you want to spend 100% of your time and you've got a great job in an unrelated field and you can make money there and focus there, I'd, I'd say on the real estate side, figure out how to invest passively. And I started investing passively. That's kind of what helped kick off Realty Mogul was this idea that I could hire operating partners around the country to invest passively and to not have to deal with the day-to-day management. On the entrepreneur side, hire great people. At the end of the day, your company is a combination of all the people that you hire. So hire great people. Don't be afraid to spend a little more for great people. They're worth their weight in gold. One person who's making one and a half times the salary of another person who can do three times the work, that math works out all day long. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with both approaches. On the passive investment front, you all do only commercial real estate, right? Correct. We do multifamily as part of commercial, but we don't right. do any single family residential. Yeah. Okay. Have you noticed that there's more participation with multifamily than others? And I have a follow-up if you have noticed that, and I don't have a follow-up if you have not noticed that. Meaning investors are more interested in investing in multifamily? Yeah. yeah. Probably 50 to 60% of what we do is multifamily. And I think that I would agree because investors seem to really understand it. You know, you need a place to live. You have a roof over your head. You have short-term leases. You have good diversification. So I would say, yeah, there's definitely a concentration of multifamily across our investment book. Okay. So the follow-up question, and you kind of already alluded to the answer, is it's more easily understood. So I'm going to revise my question to, do you all proactively educate your investors on the other types of asset classes like storage, office, industrial, that sort of thing? We absolutely do. And that's really important to us because we want investors to really understand the risks of the transactions that they're investing in. Got it. And how do you do that? We do a lot of blog posts. So a lot of content about different transaction sizes or transaction types rather. We do webinars. So for every investment that we're doing via private placement, if an investor is investing in a specific transaction, we'll do a webinar. So we'll talk about the strengths of the deal, the risks in the deal, other aspects of the transaction. And then we've also got a team of registered representatives through a broker dealer that are on the phones with our investors, kind of that white glove service that I was talking about. We love talking to investors. We love walking them through transactions and really getting them to understand kind of the pros and cons of specific deals. Ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book, on negotiating real estate. I've read the book, lots of good real world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. The Target Market Insights podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today 
at targetmarketinsights.com. That's targetmarketinsights.com. Best ever book you've read? Everything Store, which is the story of Amazon. Everything Store? The Everything Store, yeah. The Everything Store. Best ever deal you've personally invested in? So the best deal that we've invested in at Realty Mogul is a deal called MetroQuest. It was 150-odd units in Dallas. Super interesting strategy. They did cultural updates to tailor to Hispanic tenant base. So they turned the basketball fields into soccer fields. They built these beautiful laundry rooms so that people could socialize in them. Ended up selling that deal, and it was just a home run. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? I talked about this one earlier, but investing with real estate companies that had never done a deal together, right? New partnership, didn't know the rules of the road of working together. Best ever way you like to give back? I love cooking and I love food. So I love working in soup kitchens and and actually sitting down with people and having a one-on-one conversation. I find that people really want to share their story. They many times just don't have someone to listen. How can the best ever listeners either get in touch with you or learn more about your company? You can visit us online at realtymogul.com. And if you want to reach me, it's CEO at realtymogul.com because my name is long and spelled funny. So that makes it easier. (laughs) Well, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for talking about how the first million of your $45 million in venture capital that was raised was the most challenging and perseverance being first and foremost of most importance and then also forcing an answer, at least in that environment. I'm not sure if it would work if you're raising money from passive investors. I think it's more of a softer play, but for angel investors and more Wall Street types, I think that's the perfect fit. And then just the overall approach that you take as the co-founder and CEO, where you spend your time, how you focus it, and then the overall evolution of your company. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. The Target Market Insights podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at targetmarketinsights.com. That's targetmarketinsights.com.